0: This is the Talk Editions Podcast, Episode 7. It's,
1: eat a kumquat. It's just so delightful. So good. Delightful. It's
0: so, good. It's so delightful. Making stuff is all about, like, keeping fun around, you know? I'm, I'm Marina Kipperstein. No. <laughs> Shut
2: up. <laughs> I'm Marina Kipperstein, violinist of
1: Talk. And I'm Laura Cox, Buddhist of Talk. This is the first season of the Talk Editions podcast, and we're focusing on highlighting the pieces and composers from our album Ur, which was the inaugural release on our new Talk Editions label.
2: Today on our show, we're speaking with composer Natasha Deals about her piece, The Colors Don't Match. Woo! Hello. Natasha's work combines choreographed movement, improvisation, video, instrumental practice, and cynical play to create worlds of curiosity and unease. With a focus on collage, collaboration, and the ritual of life as art, her compositions have been described as a fairy tale for a fractured world. That was from music we care about.
1: Nice. She is a member of the Composer-Performer Collective Ensemble Pomplamoose and the performance duo on structure, and she teaches composition and computer music at the University of California, San Diego. By the way, Marina, I just want to say that the combination of words that you put together to make those sentences about Natasha was really beautiful. Uh,
2: actually, Natasha wrote that. It's from her bio.
1: Wow, Natasha, the combinations of words that you put together <laughs> literal copy paste. bio
2: <laughs> was so I good. did extensive research <laughs> on one web page, which was <laughs> <laughs> Natasha's personal website. That's if you want to see those words <laughs> yourself,
1: it's natasha'sdeals.com. <laughs> Is that, is that your website? <laughs> yes, it is. OK. <laughs> cool. I got that from Natasha's website.
2: <laughs> um, so I think to start off, we'd like to ask you some questions specifically about The Colors Don't Match, uh, which was born in 2014 as part of Talk's first Columbia Composers residency. Um, aside from the assignment of writing for our specific instrumentation, what was going through your head when you conceived of the piece?
0: Well, um, I wanted to write a piece that was really different from the stuff that I had been kind of focusing on up to that point, which was a lot of um, kind of hyper synchronicity, which is sort of like a byproduct of the way that I write music um, through uh, making mockups and kind of figuring it out from there, but pretty strictly sticking to the mockup. I don't really do that anymore, but that's what I was doing at the time. And so I was really interested in making a piece that kind of had deliberate moments of non-synchronicity and was going to be kind of like a little messier and sloppier. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and I, uh, it's kind of hard for me to put myself back in that mindset at the time, but um, I wanted to do something that was kind of like, yeah I was doing stuff that was sort of common commenting on musicians and like the practice of being a musician a little bit um and I stole the um the idea for the letters from a piece that I had written previously um and I kind of turned that into the whole piece for you guys um the the like a flat all those letters.
2: <laughs> Yeah, maybe you could talk a little bit more just for people who haven't yet listened to the piece about um, the text that you used and just describe the piece a little bit.
0: Sure, yeah. So um, the, the piece has um, a ma- one main vocal line that's performed by Charlotte, um, and the text for that is the uh, names of notes and flat and sharp And they're almost always um, mismatched to the note that is either being played in the ensemble or um, that she is meant to be singing. And um, that's deliberate. The title is The Colors Don't Match. And it's kind of this disconnect idea that I had of, um, so it was kind of inspired by the circuit building stuff that I was doing around that time also, um, where... I just, like, couldn't force my brain to understand connections between two places if the colors of the wires didn't line up, like, which is really silly sounding, but um, it was also, it was just, like, it did not compute for me. So if the red wire was somehow, like, connected to a yellow one at the other end, I was like, well, that's, that's, like, I I don't know, it's not, (laughs) (laughs) Stumped. Um, But anyway, so that's kind of, uh, you know, also the mismatch idea in the piece. Uh I I really like it when performers use their voices, um, and so there's a very large section in the piece that's everybody singing in kind of choir style, which I love Mm -hmm. very much. Um, I really like that part of the piece, and I really like, in general, hearing untrained voices singing together because there's a very... uh, There's a quality to that that I really like.
1: Yeah, and we're also all percussioning too oh yeah in ways you have a Percussing, lot of percussion mm, playing percussion we're also all very gifted percussion virtuosos in your <laughs> piece <laughs> also <laughs> that is correct <laughs> that is so correct um, and you, you do this in a fair amount of your works where people are asked to play things that are not maybe their primary instrument or engage in a way that's slightly outside of you know what they studied and yeah so when you're doing that what are you what are you excited about? Or
0: yeah, yeah. I, I um I think I started doing that because I because um, I'm a performer. I also and I um really like playing other instruments. Like I don't I play the flute and I um <laughs> I really like when I get to play other objects. I think it's really fun. And I also really like that it's hard to do that as mm-hmm. a very, extremely, you know, like the performers that I work with are almost always incredible like talk is all these amazing performers but there's something hard about adding in these extra elements and it kind of confuses your brain a little bit in this way that I find really satisfying as a performer and so I yeah I guess I just do it to try to make it fun for the performers in a way that would be like fun for me
1: and it's not like confusing the brain in the same way way when you have like a yellow wire going to it no (laughs) (laughs) Um, one thing about the the vocal part i wanted to go back is the the character of charlotte's part the like main vocal right and and for all of us the vocal line but it, it comes across so much in charlotte's part is like she's very obnoxious um and actually when we were when we were mastering the album <laughs> sad when we were mastering the album chris Botta who who did the mastering on it looks at me and was like oh is that you And I was like, man, she did it. She She managed
2: to make her voice so obnoxious that she sounded like me.
1: (laughs) Nasal and Midwestern, right? So I'm wondering, like, how with these kind of really specific characters, how do you convey these kinds of things? Or if you have a really specific character in mind, like, what level of trust is required to say, like, you know, especially for a vocalist, it's not common that someone's going to be like, "Okay, I'm just, I'm going to sound so obnoxious now," <laughs> and just actually legitimately lean into it. Yeah. So, what do you do? How do you convey that? Or how do you, how do you generally try to convey the character that you want a performer to achieve?
0: Oh, oh, I see. Because they're um, very
1: specific. Well, um,
0: I mean, I, I guess I. I guess I often like have a specific character in mind, but um, but I feel like Charlotte developed that character a lot mm-hmm. by herself. And I mean, I think I guess I try to make the character be in like the thing that I'm writing, and yeah. then the actual character comes from the performer. Because I don't, um, yeah, I I don't really like it when I define the character completely, because that's it's just like seems a little unfair for me to to do that and to mm-hmm. force somebody to be like the way that I would perform the piece, for yeah. example i don't think that's really fair. Um, I guess it does sometimes get tricky when pieces are played again, but I don't know that I think I've gotten also like used to how the character changes in those situations also yeah. so yeah I don't know, I feel like there's some um Things in Charlotte's line that I was like pretty adamant about the way that I wanted them to sound, like the growl. Mm-hmm. But the rest Can of it. Can you demonstrate that for us? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I feel like the rest of it, she kind of, you know, she kind of came up with that yeah.
1: herself, right? Yeah, it was just when we were, I remember we were in the recording and we kept being like, ah, God, we're not annoying enough. And yeah, we like, we have to, to, like... This wasn't Natasha telling us we weren't annoying enough. This was ourselves telling one another that we weren't being annoying we're enough. We're, like,
2: we're yeah. shouting out the names of letters and flat and just, like, we wanted to sound kind of like a, like a kindergarten class or something.
1: Yeah. Like petulant kindergarten <laughs> class. Totally. Yeah.
0: Petulant. But I, think but I don't think annoying. I ever told you guys to be annoying. I think, like...
2: I feel like one time maybe you oh, did. I did. Oh,
0: okay. And then,
1: well, <laughs> and it's possible. Up. Probably like in 2014, you probably used the word annoying in passing and we were like, that's it. And we were like, this is our character. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it just, it felt so right for us. I don't know why. Yeah, but either. it just felt really comfortable. <laughs> but I mean, I, I love the way you guys played. it. It's cool. awesome. Thank you. Has anyone else played it? Yeah. And are they as annoying as we are?
0: No. Good,
1: good.
2: Uh, Triumph. (laughs) I mean, speaking of, we're talking a lot about, uh, you you were talking about the performers, you know, doing things that are outside of their comfort zone, playing percussion instruments when they're not percussionists or singing when they're not singers. Um, Is part of what you're going for, do you want us to sound like amateurs or do you want it to sound like as
0: polished as possible given the circumstances? Hmm. Um, I don't, I don't want you to sound like amateurs. Like, I feel like there's always stuff in the pieces that I write that's extremely hard. (laughs) And, um, and I think some of the stuff that ends up being extremely hard is a little bit surprising for me to find out that it's extremely hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess it's not, it's, I don't know if surprising is the right word, but it's, it's like, I wouldn't have immediately expected it to be hard, but it ends up being really hard to do like multiple things at the same time, you know? For example, um, and those things that even though like maybe on paper they look kind of simple and they end up being really difficult, I think are just like another way of using the extreme virtuosity that a lot of classical musicians have that they usually just apply to their instruments. But I kind of like, you know, kind of channeling that virtuosity to other places and seeing what happens um there are some things that i like the amateurness of like i do really like the untrained vocal sound um i I don't know if i would say that's amateur or just i guess i would just use the word untrained but um Mm -hmm. but yeah i guess I, i no i don't really think about it being for like amateurs
2: well definitely definitely would be impossible for someone who's not you know a a really skilled musician, just with general musician to to perform your music um, and the instrumental parts are also quite challenging yeah for sure so it's it's the mixture of all of these elements that
0: I think is really exciting, yeah, I mean, I guess I'd also say like i i do you know i I feel like there's a lot of ways that pieces can happen, and i I like those stages of development but I mean it's really awesome when something's played like really awesomely yeah. honestly. <laughs> you know so <laughs> yeah.
1: I don't know. yeah with regards to the vocal parts for the ensemble especially there's this long section where we kind of end up in this vocal chorale and then afterwards there's this this um, just repeat until it feels like too uncomfortable to keep repeating and then like, see Oh if you yeah. Can keep repeating it. And I don't think that's actually what the instructions say, but that's how it we said
2: kinda... many, many times <laughs> repeat many, many times. And it was so funny. Cause when we were, when we were recording it, we did it for a very long time. We did it for two minutes. And then we decided to, I mean, when we were, when we were, you know, editing the recording, we were like, should we make it this long? like, how many times is too many? The waveform looked very strange. Yeah, it was very yeah. strange. And we were a little bit conflicted because I mean, we definitely wanted it to be long enough that it was a little uncomfortable and people were like, "Why is this still happening?" But not so long that then they we turned off track <laughs> the recording because the ending is so cool.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I was wondering if you could just kind of tell us a little bit about, because the structure in your piece is really fascinating. It's like so fascinating. And um, especially these moments where we end up in kind of a loop or we end up in something that feels like you can kind of trace how you got there. But then when you look back at what happened, you're like, "How how the bleep did I actually get here? And I'm just, how the structure, yeah, how you thought about it, I'm very curious. Um, well you know what's funny about that long looping section
0: (laughs) tell us (laughs) it's like Columbia Columbia said it had to be 10 minutes (laughs) oh weird Um, that would have been a good answer no that's not what I was going to say but so I just finished the video for the music video for that and it like really doesn't feel very long (laughs) like that looping section I'm like I thought they said it was long like Oh, no, we could have made it longer. If you're
1: listening, when you get to the end of it, rewind. <laughs>
0: Listen no, three I'm, times. So. I mean, I don't, I don't think you should have made it longer. I think it's perfect <laughs> just the way it is. It's just, um, it's funny that it never feels like too long to it, it's me. It's never felt
1: long to me either. <laughs> yeah. I just, just feel like, it's,
0: it's, like just, it's just the right time. It's just the right time. But it is kind of a like a, a trope i use is that the right word um yeah i mean i really like i like getting stuck in places in in music places and i i like you know making and i feel like you can't feel like you're stuck in a place unless you do it too much you know and i feel like too much is actually like a very long amount of time a very large amount of repeats um maybe not so much for you know, the person that wrote the piece or the people that are playing the piece, but for the audience, you know, audiences are very patient, you know, especially with looping. They're just like, oh, okay, it's cool. And it feels very comfortable. And that's not really the idea that I have. I don't, it's not like comfort. It's, it's feeling stuck is, is the thing that I kind of am going for when I do that. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think it just takes a really long time to translate that feeling to the listener especially you know the listener just like hears it once and yeah gotta make sure they it's get stuck it's hard to feel stuck you know yeah and as far as the rest of the structure um I don't know I just am kind of like random I feel like probably <laughs> that's probably how that goes I don't know <laughs> I don't have a very good answer for that but. I think that's
1: probably the best answer <laughs> yeah just
2: intuitive I guess yeah. it works I always feel with your music not always, but a lot of the always. time always. A lot of the time I'll feel like I'm kind of like floating around in a space. Like I'm in a it's she just made happy eyes. Yeah, she did just make for those listening, <laughs> Natasha just nodded aggressively and made happy eyes. <laughs> <laughs> <Sure it is. laughs> but um yeah, I mean I I feel like you create you create landscapes somehow, or, like, worlds, you know? Um, and we're just kind of wandering around in, in the worlds a lot. Like, there will be long sections where it's not, it's not like, I guess, phrase-driven exactly. It's more meandering or floating or, like, some locomotive action through a space.
0: Aww. Yeah, me. that's, like, totally what I what I am interested in. Actually, Aaron Einbond once said that to me. He says that listening to this piece that he was at, he was like, yeah, I feel like you just took me into this, like, kind of slightly scary place and then abandoned me. <laughs> you're like, thank you. <laughs> well, I mean, so that, that was, like, this Uncanny Valley piece, and that was a concept that I was... Um, I'm, I'm still interested in that concept, but so the Uncanny Valley is this valley that happens in um, robotics where a robotic human replica approaches um, similitude to a human. And at a certain point, the robot becomes too similar to the human. And this, um, uh, this increasing range of, um, like, uh, what's the word? Um, predilection no, uh, like your ability Botanism to empathize or, with yeah. the robot um, increases up to this point where the robot is too similar to humans and then there's this cutoff, and it's a valley it's called the uncanny valley where we're just super creeped out by things that resemble humans very strongly but are um, but are not human so like a corpse for example is in the uncanny valley or um, yeah a robot that looks too human basically Anyway, so that is a value that I'm really interested in and I think that definitely like I was trying to emulate those spaces for a long time and I I, st- I maybe like work with slightly different spaces now and in that and colors don't match, but I yeah, I am really interested in creating places where people wander around and, and float around for sure. That is I yeah, that's a really nice thing to say. Thank you.
2: Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, for those of you who uh are listening. We're by the time you listen to this, we'll have already dropped the music video that Natasha created for this piece.
0: Natasha and Annie Horner.
2: And Annie Horner, and it is really awesome. Uh, and there's a lot of floating. Talk is floating around. Wow, you're right. you right.
0: There's a lot yeah, of Yeah, we're floating. Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah, we also play tennis and we, and garden. we garden. We're a big blob monster. Of some sort, right? There's a
0: lot of disembodied mouths. Mm-hmm.
2: Disembodied mouths. Yeah.
1: I just gotta watch it.
2: Just gonna have to go see to it. it. It's, it's a fun amusement park at the end. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: yeah. Shoots <laughs> <Chutes> and ladders <laughs> time.
2: <style. laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that part is fun. It's more fun now. It was really fun shooting it because Annie would just... We, we were at a green screen and she would just be like, okay, now can you lie down on the floor like you fell from the top of a building <laughs> 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 and you pretend to play tennis. <laughs> pret-
1: you guys are really good pretend tennis players. Thank I you.
2: Thought. Yeah. Yeah. It looks very real. Yeah. The it tennis, the tennis scene came out incredibly well. Yeah. Charlotte and I had a huge amount of fun with that. Yeah. It you came out a really huge good
1: tennis career ahead of you. I think
2: I really don't. I just Fake side tennis. little side note. Uh, in fourth grade, I believe, i that was the only time that I've ever played tennis, and it was once. I played one tennis game, or I played, like, a few games. It was for one afternoon, but I made my opponent, who was also in fourth grade or whatever, like, I made her cry because I was so bad, and she full-on <laughs> broke down crying. And she was not, like, a, you know, cry at at anything kind of person she was she was pretty tough so i was like i don't think i could ever play tennis again wait
0: because she felt bad for
2: you i think she was so frustrated because i was so bad
0: oh yeah i kept hitting the ball
2: into the into like the bushes and we thought there (laughs) might be poison ivy there and just like please stop doing that (laughs) anyway
0: um did she get poison ivy wait maybe she just had a horrible poison ivy and that's I don't think so, so bad. <laughs> I
2: could I could reach out to her I think we're friends on Facebook she
1: probably didn't friend you on Facebook yeah
2: maybe she no this was you know <laughs> this was before Facebook so we became friends on Facebook after that so I didn't completely scar her for life probably mm. but
1: she's one of those don't worry I'm sure you know. left a mark poison ivy scar <laughs> <laughs> um Well, wrapping right back around. Yeah. um, We're talking about floaty worlds. We're talking about being abandoned in uncanny valleys. We're talking about uncanny valleys in general. And I'm wondering, since Colors Don't Match is from 2014, as we said, um, if there's anything that you feel like has really changed about your writing in this time or what you're interested in exploring or... In the time since then? Yes.
0: Oh, um... Well, oh, I have to like timeline myself. Okay. Seven
1: wait. year phases. I don't I don't even know what that means.
2: We haven't reached
0: seven yet, have we?
1: No. Yeah. So you still have some years before. You have,
2: you have two have more to years before you must be different.
0: Wait, but two thousand fourteen was like probably in the middle. I mean Yeah, I think <laughs> 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 Um, I think it yeah, I don't know. Right now I'm really interested in um merging video and music and gesture and lights and kind of creating more TV-like experiences on stage and for um, video. It's what I'm really excited about right now.
1: Do you have any projects that you're working on right now or that like recently elapsed that you are very excited by?
0: Yes, I'm really excited about um, this TV series I'm making with Jack Quartet. Um, it's gonna be six episodes, and we just did episode one, which is called Beautiful Trouble. And it's just what I, um, yeah, what I was kind of just describing is I'm, it's like, that. my idea is that it's like this TV series, and I, and I initially, like, had this really crazy idea or it's not that crazy, but it's just very, um, logistically complicated, so I ended up being like, oh, maybe I'll just, like, try to find a friend on Netflix or something, but. I initially wanted it to be actually on TV, like in a bunch of different cities, but it was just really um, impractical. But anyway, so this, so it's like this TV series, and the idea is that each episode is kind of self-contained, like the way that Twilight Zone is. So there's not necessarily a narrative, um, but I really feel like it, like this first episode was like a TV show, like it felt like TV show, like for some reason. When do, um, when does it come out? Well, the the I think that. Probably, like, the, um, the like, music, vi- the video version of it. Not music video, the TV mm-hmm. video version of it. We'll probably, like, do them all and then release them. Okay. I'm but the performance, the first performance happened at Banff in July. Okay. The first episode. What's
2: the... What's it like? Is there a plot? Is, Is there like text? Is
0: there... Um, there's no... There's a little bit of text, like Austin said, beautiful over and over again, and um, (laughs) um, yeah, I don't know, no, there's not really a plot, it's like, um, definitely like abstract experimental TV style, yeah. That's so cool, is there... Does that
2: genre exist, or are you creating it right now? I'm
0: not creating it. No, I mean there's people that that do it. So like you know Robert Ashley, um, yeah, Perfect okay, lives and yeah, of course. Um, and what's his name also did did one Tony Conrad did a TV um series mm-hmm. back in the day, which I haven't watched, but I can kind of like imagine that would probably <laughs> be along the lines of what I'm thinking of, except. I guess I'm also like definitely thinking of the members of Jack as characters in this TV series um, that I'm kind of merging with these animated characters that I'm creating for them. So they're kind of moving between their like real-life persona and these animated characters that are based off of video footage that I take of them, but then also um, kind of translating into these animated characters. Cool. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I'm like really looking forward to... Um, Working on it this year slowly, awesome. which I'm like, I don't really do that ever, work slowly. So I'm really excited to work slowly. Cool. Big change. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, I mean, speaking of, you know, you're talking about a TV series and you're talking before about using choreography and gestures um, in your pieces. What Role? would you say that video and visual performance elements play in your compositions? Is it always, I mean, generally the same role, or every piece it's serving a different purpose? Or it's just kind of
0: case by case? Um, Yeah, I think it's case by case. I I just made a piece earlier this year that Actually, it was a piece I ended up being pretty fond of. Um, fond of. I ended up liking. <laughs> and um <laughs> it's called Sad Music for Lonely People. And there's no visual element in that at all. Which is, I don't know, it's probably my only, like, just music piece that I've made. And since, maybe since the colors don't match. Wow. Um, but, yeah, I just, I don't know, I didn't, I guess... Oh, I guess the commission for that was the radio thing, so that was maybe part of it because so for that, I was um, envisioning creating f- more or I guess I'm going to make like more versions of that piece that do have visual elements. yeah, I'm really interested in visual things right now. I'm like totally obsessed with making um, video animated and shooting um, mm-hmm. videos, and so I guess when I am thinking of a piece, I often kind of concatenate the visuals in my mind with the sound of it, and I feel like there's also this really interesting thing about timing with video versus music composition, Um, that like in video composition, time acts, time behaves differently, and so approaching that from a music composing standpoint is really, really fun and really interesting, and so if you're creating something that has visual and sound elements, and you can kind of um, shift between those two ways of thinking about time uh it's It's really fun, and i don't know it, it, like making stuff is all about like keeping the fun around you know i I think and um yeah, do you usually start
2: with one element or the other, or you said I mean they're
0: really blended in your mind like from the beginning of the process or It's really different from piece to piece. I think that I am working towards making them as blended as possible. So, yeah, this piece I just finished for Jack, like, I feel like um, as I was writing the piece, like, all those elements were happening kind of simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel like I can only... I've just started to be able to do that because I have gotten to a point in my... um, ability to make video that I feel um, as comfortable with it, well, almost as comfortable with it as, as um, you know, sound and music and stuff. Cool. Do Come. you have
1: any, uh, like, rituals or processes that you normally go through before you compose? Mm-hmm. Do you, have, uh, you always eat half a grapefruit and then massage your temples?
0: You know, I, I just did this teaching institute this summer with Andrew McIntosh, um, who it was really funny that we were paired together because we really couldn't be more different in almost every way. Um, but he said this thing, somebody asked him a similar question, and he said, yeah, I always, it's not, maybe not like so much of a ritual, but he was like, yeah, whenever I start writing a piece, I like immediately fall asleep. <laughs> and not that not actually, <laughs> that actually like also often happens to me, but that's, that's true, that's not much of a ritual. <laughs> No, I don't know. I mean, like when I um if it's um you know, there's like different kinds of pieces that you write. You write pieces that are like more work-oriented pieces and you write pieces that are more like love-oriented pieces. And I feel like with the love-oriented pieces, I um I spend a lot of time thinking about those people that I'm writing it for and like maybe kind of stalking them a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, just kind of trying to um, understand who they who they are and how they would, you know, how they would be in, in that thing that I'm working on, um, and then also like obviously just kind of trying to place where I am um, at that moment that uh, that I'm working on that thing and, and seeing what I want to chart in that moment.
2: So your background, as you mentioned, is in flute Flutter. performance. <laughs> um, and you still play flute sometimes, right? I mean in Pumplemousse and like around and with your friend Laura. You know? With your friend Laura. <laughs> <laughs> I played connection. I played a duo I played one of your pieces for violin and flute in probably twenty thirteen. Remember that? Yeah. Wait, did we
0: do it together? Yeah, we did it together on the <gasps> we Mata did, festival. That's right. That was good. Yeah. Is that a is for alphabet. A is
1: for
2: language?
0: alphabet. Is for, is for alphabet. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, that, that was
2: uh, that was fun. Yeah, it was
0: yeah. super fun.
2: Yeah. Um, um, but so, how do you think that having a performing background and a performance practice on an instrument, like how has that influenced the way
0: you compose, or has it not at all? it has it's like it is <laughs> it's like um yeah it's so important i mean i i feel i don't know i really think it's like really super important for people that make things to perform things um, but i um i guess i don't i don't know how i would possibly I guess I don't really feel like a musician when I stop performing. So when I was like, like last year, I hadn't performed in a long time because I I don't really play the flute very much anymore. Um, in Pampa we play like other instruments because we're all kind of just being grouchy about our instruments right now, <laughs> um, which is fun. And uh, but I I really you know performing is the way that I feel like a musician, and composing is really fun and awesome and great, but. Um, is a really different kind of work. And I love performing and I love being on, you know, I just love that kind of, you know, working that part of my brain and body and all that. Um, So, yeah, I I mean, it comes, I think about it all the time. Like, I really want to make pieces that are fun for people to play. And that's why it's, like, really funny. Sometimes, you know, you work with people and, and they really, like, you know, like I do ask people to do things that are not just playing their instruments because I think that's really fun. <laughs> and sometimes they don't like that. And and I'm like, what? <laughs> that's weird.
1: Well, hmm. oh. <laughs> oops. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Yeah, I, I think we should take a moment to supremely fangirl at Pomplamoose.
2: Oh my gosh. Pomplamoose oh. is... Just one of our favorite bands. Imagine
1: yeah. a field full of honey. <laughs> and then think about how happy you'd be if you wanted to eat all that honey and you could.
2: Yeah, that's... I almost described it exactly the same way. That's so weird. <laughs> I
1: know.
2: You that's took not from
1: Natasha's website. <laughs> right out of my mouth. <laughs> exactly. You didn't even plagiarize that. <laughs> so I think, you know, we could... We could spend the whole time fangirling at Pomplamoose, but I want to do a quick, a quick fill in the gaps, which is Natasha is, as we mentioned before, part of this um, performer-composer collective called Ensemble Pomplamoose, and you should listen to them immediately. Pause this. Listen to them. Um,
2: I mean, you can wait until the end of the episode also. <laughs>
1: Pause this. Listen to them.
2: What if they get distracted because of all of the awesome Pomplamoose recordings that you can find online? Open it in a
1: new tab. Open it in a new tab, so you'll, this will always be here for you.
2: Okay, this is a dangerous game. But, yeah, definitely listen to Pomplamoose as soon as uh, you think is appropriate. Use yeah. your judgment.
1: Yeah, use your judgment. Anyways, <laughs> um, so that's very important information for everyone to have. But we also wanted to kind of just ask, you know, you're talking about performing and you feel most like a musician when you're performing, but Pomplamoose is a really special scenario here because it's also kind of performing with your favorite people. And you get to write for your favorite people, and your favorite people are writing with you, and you're performing with them. And it just seems really magical. Um how, so magical. Yeah, do you want to tell us about that magic a little it's bit? So yeah, magical. talk about Pomplamoose. Talk about magic,
0: okay. man. is the best thing ever. Um, yeah, it's... Comp- Performer, composer, collective, but it's like actually just my family, um. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, like in a, in in the nicest term of that word. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, yeah, we all write music together, and well, I mean, so it's six members, and four of us kind of. Uh, came into our composing selves together. We were all performers and like we really became composers all at the same time, and so we stole each other's stuff all the time. And like, our, I feel like our music is completely intertwined because of that, um, which is really nice and awesome because we all write music that's so <laughs> different from one another. Um, but I really feel like there's a lot of connection because, you know, because we all. Yeah, got there at the same time together and because of each other. So, yeah, it's a very extremely magical, wonderful group of people that, yeah, we all live really far apart now and that's hard, but um, but we come together and rehearse really hard and it's cool. We have a, a four album coming out.
1: <laughs> yeah, so this is an important moment to say that Pumbos is... Album that is out in the world waiting for you to listen to it is called Lost at Sea. It's a four volume four set. Four flippin' volumes. That's, That's, so,
2: right. many volumes. That's so many volumes. Imagine the volumes. <laughs> it's voluminous. Uh,
0: yeah. So the first two albums are pieces from the last two years, and the third album is our pop album, and the fourth album is uh, our meditation album. Yeah. Wow. Well, and there uh there's some video stuff also
1: um so this is a really important question and I'm not going to beat around on the bush here you how did you start composing oh okay
0: um well um i started pomplamus in 2003 and i hadn't like it took like a while for Pomplamoose to become, a th- like, to kind of figure out what it was. Um, but I was basically like asking people to write pieces for us, you know. And nobody that, um, nobody that was around in two thousand three is still around um, in Pomplamoose. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> in the world. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, gotta clarify. um yeah (laughs) but anyway and i uh yeah i i like had this idea of what i wanted people to write for me and uh they just weren't doing it and so i was like all right i guess i'll like write a thing and i recorded a bunch of symbol samples and like chopped them up and made this like glitchy piccolo and electronics piece and i had like zero intention of ever um performing it or anything but then I played it for my friend Rama Gottfried who was in Pomplum in like 2004 or 5 and he was like oh well let's just put that on this thing that we're doing at the next stage theater where we like had our hair different for every piece it's really (laughs) fun concert um and I was like oh okay well that's weird but okay how was your hair for that piece uh I mean, I had, like, a buzz cut at that time, so I think maybe they, like, put some paint on it or something. I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, anyway, I performed it there, and then I was like, that was kind of fun. Okay, I guess I'll write another (laughs) piece. That
1: was that. And the rest was history. The rest was history. (laughs) We're going to segue now into a really important segment. The first question here. Again, another really important one. These are all important. I don't mean to like second second put in second any of the other questions, but we're wondering just off the bat if you could design a seltzer flavor, <laughs> what would it be?
0: <laughs> um Oh. Wait, I got a I got a curveball for you. <laughs> Sorry, I just the anticipation. <laughs> what about kumquat seltzer
2: <gasps> shut the front door that would be so
0: good would be
1: good i think that would be it's really also good. funny you say shut the front door because this summer marina and charlotte and i would literally walk out the front door and there was a kumquat tree yeah oh. we were
2: uh talk and, and then one of the, the one of the the most wonderful things about playing um contemporary music <laughs> is that sometimes you get to you get a kumquat go to cool tree cool places and this place had a kumquat tree wow it was in Greece yeah amazing kumquat
1: seltzer that would be so I really good. want that Let's like also make it if you could
0: somehow preserve the like the rindiness That's of course yeah, well you just yeah. eat you eat the whole thing you pop yeah. it all in
2: you yeah. like pulp it in the mm. seltzer because it's it's got the for those of of you listening kumquat, you who nerds. haven't eaten a kumquat in a while or have never eaten a kumquat. Because I didn't really I didn't really know what a kumquat was before <laughs> I was, I mean I kinda knew. Like I but I didn't know I don't think I'd ever eaten one and I didn't realize that it's just like it's like um a, a little orange but like a little more tart and it's it's got like a sweetness but it's also sour. Yeah
1: eat a kumquat it's just
2: so so delightful so good so
0: delightful um
2: what's your favorite place that you've lived
1: Brooklyn if you could pick a superpower what would it be flying do you like animals
0: what kind of question is that (laughs) which ones though I love, I love all love There are only
2: 3 animal species that can survive. Which 3 are they? <gasps> no, Ooh, pass. That's a bad question. Okay, 5.
0: No, pass. Koala bears.
1: Cool. Well, that's a, that's not a species. Strange choice. <laughs> Raccoons. <laughs> rats. They didn't need your they no, didn't I need want, your blessing to survive. Rats. Sperm whales. Got to think about the soil, dude. You need some insects in there. Earthworms. No birds. What Crows. about the pollinators? <gasps> oh, no fruits and veggies for Marina's world. Bees.
2: Get rid of the, I don't know, the sperm whales. <laughs> <laughs> Hard pass for you, Natasha. Hard pass. <clears throat> okay, fine. Can you make some of your favorite sounds for us, please?
3: Ah. Uh...
2: That's only one. Can I hear another, please?
1: Uh, <laughs> that was just a salty response. Wow. That's only one.
2: <laughs> wow. Okay, let's all make that sound together.
1: It's a sound that feels so good, because you have to breathe really slowly. It's like smoking, but for non-smokers.
2: Yeah, I was going to say you don't smoke. Um,
1: What's some of your favorite sounds?
2: Oh, Laura, do your multiphonic. <laughs> I love that one. I do that good too. sound?
1: <laughs> 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 if we all do it together, we, we can convince someone to multiphonic. Yeah, that's good. It's a nice relief. What about you, Mar? Um, that's like that's
2: a good question. Uh, My favorite. Song.
0: That's only zero.
2: Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm too sure. Uh, what's a good one?
0: Hmm.
2: Maybe I'll do a Natasha sound that I like a lot.
0: <laughs> what? No. Yeah, I'm gonna no. do a Natasha song that's sound.
2: It's not fair. Which is-
0: I know
1: you could.
2: That's a good one. <laughs> you want to do that one all together? Yeah. <laughs> I like that one.
1: Okay, game time. Yay! Woo! Have you ever played Would You Rather? Uh, yes.
0: Well, you're about to again. <laughs> Play
1: again with your friends. Starting with an epic question of oppositions. Oh boy. From Marina. <laughs> okay.
2: Would you rather write music to be performed in a huge sunny field or in a big dark cave? Big dark cave. Yeah, that was, seems obvious. I, I was really trying to come up with like a better alternative and I was like, I, I can't think of anything that anyone would choose over a big dark cave.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's just like so many possibilities.
1: Sunnyfield also sounds really nice. Yeah, yeah. but it's the acoustics. Yeah, that's some that's some yeah. bonk acoustics. Yeah, it's
2: bonk.
1: Um, would you rather eat only coleslaw for a year, or eat spam once a month for the rest of your life?
0: Ew! What's up with this coleslaw question? <laughs> I don't like coleslaw or spam. I like some coleslaw. <laughs> Why does coleslaw keep coming up? <laughs> I have coleslaw on the bite. <laughs> like, is it like, like carrots and jalapenos? Coleslaw? It can be any coleslaw you want. Wait, and I have to. What, what was it? What's the question? <laughs> you can... I mean, that's a coleslaw, obviously. Like, I don't want. I'm not gonna <laughs> I don't know what the question was, but I picked coleslaw. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: Um, would you? Rather have a wolf or a falcon as your animal companion. Falcon. Okay. That was very
1: why fast. why that was such a fast
0: yeah. answer. Because then it'll teach me how to fly. Obviously makes really sense. Oh, okay. Yeah,
2: sure. yeah of course.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um this is a really important question, though I have to ask Marina to ask it.
2: Okay. Now let's be really honest here. Would you rather play the flute or the violin seriously though <laughs> be honest
3: <laughs>
1: okay the violin yes <laughs> I knew it yes. I knew it oh, to the heart I'm so happy
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've
2: perished okay I'll let you
1: bribery (laughs) so do you have any projects coming up that you are especially interested in you told us about this one with jack is there anything else that we should keep an eye out for in the works um i'm writing a
0: a double bass duo for zach rowden and robert black oh that's cool cool. and i'm doing a second um version of the sad music for lonely people with ensemble adapter oh cool cool um those are things i'm excited about Cool. And you're going to
1: make a new tack piece. And maybe I'm going to make a new tack piece. <gasps> with oh, and I'm wheels. doing
0: um, this um, thing at Darmstadt next summer that's with Poplamos. And we're doing a, we're taking over Central Station and making a series of ritual pieces in there. Cool. cool. So that I'm most excited
1: about. Those That'd are my cool. projects this year. Nice. Well, have we concluded? I believe that we have. Do you feel as though you've said all the things that feel important to say? Definitely. Anything unimportant that you want to say? Marina's
2: bread is the best bread ever. Oh my god. Marina's
1: bread is so good. Marina fed you us guys. some really good food before this. No wonder you want to play violin.
2: <laughs> I'd product uh. her with bread.
1: <laughs> bread. <laughs> Check Blood out my money. Instagram
2: Sour kiss. <laughs>
1: it's
2: private. You so. shouldn't oh.
1: <laughs> request access requests access to my private
2: sourdough Instagram. <laughs> Is it
1: really private? Yeah. Funny.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I don't, it's like weird strangers weird looking at my bread. bread.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think we should sing a song
0: together. Yeah. Okay. I think that'd be really nice. I can teach you the song that I made up for Caden. Yeah. Well, it goes, Petit papillon qui fait un tour De Petit qui bonjour Trois petits papillons qui jouent dans l'eau et quatre petits papillons qui font dodo. I don't we speak uh, except for
1: the numbers and the butterflies. Wait, so <laughs> yeah, it's, it's oh, okay. Too wait, much let <laughs> no, no, let's sing
0: a different <laughs> okay. song. Okay, never mind.
1: No, I like it. I what does petit papillon do?
0: What does it do? Um, the first one does like the little like goes on tour. What? Oh. How do you say Il fait it? Fait en tour. Fait en tour. And then the second, the two. Two, two papillons um, say hi, ah, dis bonjour, dis bonjour, bonjour, and then three little butterflies um, play in the water, jouent dans l'eau, and four mm-hmm. butterflies go to sleep, Fait dodo.
1: Fait dodo. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Un petit papillon un qui fait, fait
4: un
1: tour. tour, deux petits papillons <laughs> qui
0: disent bonjour. That's so good. He likes that song. Cool. Wow. Well, right,
1: thanks, Tosh. Yeah. yeah.
0: Thanks. Thanks,
1: thanks for you. Fun.
0: This has been the Talk Editions Podcast, Episode 7 with Natasha Deals. For links to Natasha's music and to other things we talked about in this episode, check out our show notes. Natasha's piece, The Colors Don't Match, is featured on Talk's recent album, *Oor*, which you can purchase at talkensemble.bandcamp.com. Stick around to listen to the piece in its entirety at the end of this episode.
1: If you're enjoying the Talk Editions podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review it so others can find us. This episode was recorded at Cutelab with help from Alex Van Gills. It was produced and edited by Marina Kifferstein.
0: For more information about TALK, go to talkensemble.com. Thanks for listening.